It is easy to build a nation. It is far more difficult to shape a society. And that is what Shafiq Khan is doing. We could take it slowly. Or we could get insane. This is All Things Grinnell. I'm your host, Ben Benversi. I have a very special show in store for you. We're talking with Shafiq Khan, the winner of the 2019 Grinnell College Innovator for Social Justice Prize, about his work fighting bride trafficking in India through his organization, Empower People. I don't like to pick favorites, but this is hands down my favorite conversation I've done for the podcast, so forgive me for the length of this episode. I and so many others have gained so much from interacting with Shafiq this week, so I wanted to share as much as I could with all of you. So that's coming up next after I remind you that the information and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the views of Grinnell College. The Grinnell College Innovator for Social Justice Prize began in 2011 to extend the college's educational mission beyond the campus and alumni community to individuals anywhere who believe innovative social justice programs create a better world. The prize entails $100,000 split evenly between the winner and their organization. This year's winner is Shafiq Khan and his organization, Empower People. I sat down to talk with Shafiq earlier this week about his work. I talked to him for four hours that day and many times since, and my mind is still reeling from our discussion. To be totally open and honest with you, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around him and how he looks at the world. Let me pull back the podcast curtain for a minute, break the fourth wall of the podcast sphere. Listener, I am talking to you. When I approached this interview, I did research, as I do for all my interviews, but I went into this conversation without a real understanding of Shafiq and his work. I didn't know much about the problem of bride trafficking in India, and you might not either. Even if you know a different type of trafficking in a different location, I think it's important to descend into the particulars here and understand Shafiq's work in its context. Not that it isn't replicable or applicable to change-making elsewhere, but to understand him, I think we need to free ourselves from our preconceived notions about what trafficking might look like in India. I imagine this interview will leave you with more questions than when you began. I know it did for me, and I certainly had a lot of questions to begin with. Normally, I expect people to respond to questions within a certain range of possibilities. But Shafiq thwarted my desires to control the conversation. He goes off on tangents, he whirls and twirls and tells stories, and he readily admits that he is not a philosopher. He does not subscribe to a particular ideology. His thoughts are constantly evolving based on what he learns from his work and talking to people. So his understanding of the problem is evolving as well, as is the organization's approach to solving the problem of bride trafficking. And that is why the Grinnell Prize is so perfectly suited for him. Unlike other anti-trafficking organizations, Empower People is focused not just on the rescuing of trafficked women and girls, but on bringing them back into mainstream society and empowering them. They do this by advocating for land ownership by survivors, survivor representation in government, and community education through conversation. Shafiq is interested in addressing the root causes of bride trafficking, not just the symptoms. Even the word rescue to Shafiq is not adequate because it reeks of the patriarchal system that creates the problem in the first place. Empower People is not a protectionist organization. Its goal is liberation. First and foremost, of the survivors of bride trafficking, but of everyone. 
of men, of the traffickers themselves. Even the word empowerment to Shafiq is not sufficient to describe their work. But we're working within the confines of the English language, and Shafiq himself is not a native English speaker. But he manages to get his ideas across quite adeptly regardless. Shafiq Khan is now singularly focused on bride trafficking. But his path to creating Empower People was long. He started working as a youth, working in various organizations, in political groups, studying with spiritual gurus, but he never felt like they accomplished what he wanted. He was trying to connect his idea with everyone. And then I realized like, uh, this is not working. I should do something else. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not my way to change things. Uh -huh. So, because most of the time I, I saw like, they are making everything political. Uh, and uh, I wanted to uh, do something which can give some immediate uh, uh, remedy or immediate relief yeah. to the people. So, I'm still impressed with the idea. Uh -huh. But the way uh, we are uh, doing things are uh, not enough for uh -huh. uh, that particular area. So, uh, I decided to work for uh, the people and then we started a uh, group called Career Development Corner that was for adolescents and college-going students uh -huh. uh, who can serve each other and help each other. Uh, so I was doing all this uh, and suddenly things got changed and everything was uh, become difficult for us because uh, government was cracking down uh, you know, uh, Marxist movement and my family was cracking on me, <laughs> like <laughs> they, they wanted me to do something else, uh -huh. like you know, uh, continue a study and all. So I came to Delhi and I joined a uh, Hindu spiritual guru, uh, Swami Agnivesh. So he was doing a uh, uh, brilliant job and uh, his pioneer in India for uh, bondage labor uh, liberation. Uh -huh. So I joined his organization and uh, worked there for six months. But I was not satisfied with that, the way organization was working. So I was greedy kind of person since my childhood. So I wanted to do things by my, uh, by my, my idea. And yeah, uh, I was trying way. to connect my idea with everyone, but uh, that was not connecting. Uh -huh. So I decided to make it by my own. So, uh, Swami Agnivesji uh, at that time was doing a brilliant thing, like um, he was marching uh, from uh, Tankara of Gujarat to Amritsar against female feticide. So, I was part of this, this uh, march, I was uh, working as a back office volunteer. So I learned a, a lot and I, got, uh, uh, I had opportunity to read some small literature written by Kamla Bhaseen. She, she, was, uh, she is a you know, pioneer in feminist movement in yeah. India. So then uh, I realized like something is connecting me with this idea because uh -huh. I was trying to find some, some, some basic unit of discrimination, why discrimination happens and why such a great disparity between people is existing in the society. Yeah. And so I thought like, okay, so this is gender thing. So I started a march 
uh, that was 300 kilometer uh -huh. uh, march on foot so uh, and we were young yeah literally young even uh, 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 i had not fast shave at that time so i was really young so we started a march in uh, haryana and uh, when we went to the village we learned like uh, we know nothing about the society everyone was everyone was uh, asking questions to us and we had no answer about anything uh -huh. so i i mean my group uh, uh, encountered an amazing thing uh, during the march and we saw like every time the village is uh, the group who used to ask us question and we we are trying to connect with them like um, saying like uh, we should not do uh, practice this female fetishite thing and gender inequality is bad so they used to ask us different question and uh, we had no answer uh -huh. at that, about that so then we realized like uh, some people from the community itself are responding on behalf of us like uh -huh. uh, someone asked some question and their village members is responding that question they are giving the answer uh -huh. and we are nowhere in the, the, this conversation we were just uh, starting this thing and so we learned that both thing the question and answer is at same place we all we all need to do is connect them both mm. so this was the idea and uh, while the march a girl met me uh, there and she said like you looks like uh, from my area and you are working for their girls why you are not working for uh, your girls mm. your girls are being uh, sold so that was the first time i heard that a human being is being sold in this uh, century mm. so uh, when we learned uh, this it was shocking for me and we uh, i mean i asked my friends like what should we do this girl was uh, sold and she is living here with the in a pathetic situation so my friend suggested that we cannot do anything in this case we we we, ha we are not powerful we are just young children so we 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 cannot do this so leave this so after finishing the march after two or three Uh, months i i was sleeping and suddenly i uh, recall that woman and thought like i should meet her again so i went there and when i asked the person that where is that girl he said like i have sold her to someone else mm. that was blunt answer uh -huh. i have ever encountered yeah. so he said i have sold her uh -huh. i i asked where he said like you know, that particular village i went that, that particular village so i started that uh, searching that particular girl and i found many other girls but not her uh -huh. so i thought is it is alarming situation so i came back to delhi and went to different ngos different government offices and different areas 
to share what I have encountered. And uh, I had no knowledge about NGOs and other things. Like I, I thought like th this is big institution and this must be built by some big people, right. not common people like me. <laughs> so then I called Kamla Bhasin and I said like, uh, I wanted to meet, I have these, these, these things. So, and even I was thinking like, being a man, I cannot do anything for women. How can I do this? So, she, uh, Kamla Bhasin said, you should do this. <laughs> I said, no, I'm a man. He said, uh, she said, yes, uh, this is why you can do this. Mm. So being man, you can do this, so you should do. And then uh, she asked me uh, if uh, I can prepare a plan, uh, how to uh, give them relief. Then I uh, worked on a plan and shared with her. She said, okay, you have made this plan, so you should execute it. Uh -huh. And this was encouragement and con she convinced me to make it. And then I started working on it, on bright trafficking. And I'm almost lost in this cause. Uh -huh. So Yeah, you've become it, really enveloped yeah, in it. Yeah, uh, I became uh, part of the whole thing. So, and this became my only mission. For now, bright trafficking is a kind of cause uh, uh, which makes me a Shafiq uh, a good human uh, I must say like good human I learned a lot from the survivors of bright trafficking mm -hmm. I learned a lot of uh, uh, from uh, these victims and their families and I can understand separation uh, pain of separation and this makes me a, a human being yeah uh, yeah Prior to this uh, uh, cause, I was just a aimless youth mm -hmm. who have uh, uh, who was finding some way to live. Yeah. But now I have a mission. Yeah, you were looking for yeah a cause to drive you, and and you finally yeah. found it. Can you describe how the typical process of bride trafficking works in northern India? Like, who are the people involved and how does it happen? Every time when we talk about trafficking, we must look in uh, onto both point, uh, source to destination, mm -hmm. because trafficking is something which connects two places for a single case. Right. So uh, when I see uh, uh, bride trafficking in North India, I must say that this is not only about uh, uh, sex ratio issue that people are buying girls because they have less girl in the, their villages or their, their community, but uh, uh, it is directly belongs to uh, land and cheap uh, agricultural labor. Mm. Because uh, most of the time you will find like uh, people are buying girls and uh, uh, forcing them to work in a paddy field. Uh, uh, and uh, those girls are doing uh, all those things. Uh, uh, we call it marriage, uh, uh, bride trafficking because most of the time they use uh, institution of marriage for uh, uh, justifying a, this uh -huh, trafficking. As a conduit. Yeah. So uh, these girls are uh, being uh, sold and resold. If someone is buying a girl 
for marriage then uh, the girl must would have a basic right of being family member in the family and she must have uh, better treatment but people used to call them paro paro is a word for stolen mm. uh, uh, they used to call them molki molki literally mean purchased so if you are buying a girl for for marriage you will never call uh, them with these abusive words uh -huh. th these monetary words you are calling them um, stolen you are calling them uh, purchase why because they are not of your community uh -huh. they are not uh, uh, going to inherit anything from your uh, ancestry the, the, their children are not going to become your descendant so this is a, a very common practice to buy and uh, uh, sell and purchase the, those girls a, every single girl bright trafficking girl this, this uh, used to sell four to ten times so if you are buying a wife if you are paying reverse dowry then you are not going to sell them again right. but you are selling that means that is not wife she 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 has become commodity kind of thing right and uh, this is happening in destination most of the people who have uh, less opportunity to uh, i mean uh, they are uh, not working or if they are, uh, have some uh, disability uh, uh, physical disability right. or mental disability uh, their family member used to give them a woman so they can uh, the the woman will earn and cook for that particular person and his life will be survived uh -huh. the day the man will be died this woman will be sold again right so this is going uh, in, uh, in destination uh, in a source area there is poverty there is different kind of problem and you know, sometime it is because you know every time if something have some kind of uh, demand Uh, uh people used to uh, uh, create products so these girls have been demand in northern india so uh, in eastern india or southern india uh, uh, trafficking networks is uh, spreading their wings and they, they they are luring girls into trafficking mm -hmm. by different means sometime they got contact them as lovers and they uh, ask lure those girls in to love affairs and uh, play with them sometime they used to uh, promise them good job uh -huh. so if you will see the data uh, uh, you will see that uh, abduction or different kind of trafficking for the purpose of sex trafficking is decreasing in india and for the purpose of marriage and different other Uh, uh, trafficking is increasing regularly mm. so this is not only about uh, uh, sex ratio it is also about uh, how uh, society has given them uh, uh, some kind of sanction like uh, uh, validity to 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 import the girl yeah and uh, most of the time people used to say like people are buying uh, these girls for this reason 
have you ever heard that uh, someone is talking uh, uh, that particular man raped someone because he had no sex partner <laughs> no you will never find reason in the case of rape but you will always find reason when it comes to poor people who uh -huh. are being sold and resold again mm. so this is typical criminal thing and it has it it is mentioned in different kind of folklore different kind of uh, oral history and other things so we need to understand those things through those particular uh, uh, historical tracks mm -hmm. so northern india is importing girls since ages and uh, uh, it has nothing to do with sex ratio sex mm -hmm. ratio is just a excuse, a excuse for uh, this crime mm. So can you talk about the system of arranged marriages and dowries, which the dowry system is officially outlawed by the government, as I understand, but it's still widely practiced. And how, how do you tell the difference sometimes between an arranged marriage and the cases where you work with where the brides are being trafficked? Um. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, there is connection, of course there is connection, because most of the time when uh, you, uh, you belong to that type of society where uh, arranged marriage is uh, necessary, and uh, if you are uh, uh, self-arranged or love marriage is not possible, so then it became a prestige of family. It became an issue of family that their boy is not getting married, their girls are not getting married. It became an uh, issue of whole family mm -hmm. and they used to make pressure on the people. So marriage became necessary for th those young men women. So uh, uh, men who have uh, uh, privilege to buy girls used to buy girls. But women are still not buying men. Mm -hmm. So the day uh, uh, women will start buying boys for marriage, uh, we can say like, okay, this is happening because of oh, the, the, this type of uh, uh, cultural problem. Uh -huh. So this is uh, this is not about dowry because you know uh, if we we will talk about Haryana, dowry is a still huge issue and dowry is still being in practice. Dowry is outlawed, but it is uh, existing and very well existing in the society. Even law enforcement agencies, uh, people belonging to law enforcement agencies and uh, judiciary are giving uh, dowries. This is cultural issue. Uh, so uh, if uh, people have less girls, then there should not be dowry and there should not uh, be uh, caste uh, aesthetic ma marriages like uh, a man cannot marry a Dalit girl. If someone, uh, if girl is uh, not available in the society, people should start marrying uh, inter-caste marriages. People should uh, start breaking the caste line. But uh -huh. That that is not happening hmm. at the society level. So, um, 
at the core of the issue then what as your organization seeks to educate and and prevent this issue from happening in the first place what are the views of women that you're trying to change and what are the ideas that people have or the behaviors that they exhibit that you're trying to change so look uh, every time when we see things uh, we are seeing that most of the people who are being trafficked are landless people and those who have no access over natural resources and those who have uh, uh, living in a forest area and uh, government is um, uh, institutionalizing the forest so uh, and kicking out uh, those people from the forest so the, they became shelterless and uh, there is no proper rehabilitation of those people so Uh, they become easy peri for the trafficking mm-hmm. and they seek some uh, some option to be rehabilitated uh, in different uh, uh, way so sometimes t- they 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 try to uh, migrate and it become trafficking so uh, we are trying to uh, uh, and advocating uh, uh, to have uh, access over natural resources mm. uh, uh, the uh, forest uh, we just want to want government to uh, to maintain ecological system ecology of the forest uh-huh. uh, a forest should be wild and it should not be uh, uh, institutionalized mm-hmm. forest should be wild now something should be wild so uh, we are trying to do that and we are trying and advocating to uh, 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 land rights of women if women will have land rights in uh, their particular community uh, they would never be trafficked for useless reasons uh-huh. huh. so Uh, these are core issues and apart from these uh, things we are trying to uh, connect uh, those community and those children uh, uh, young children uh, uh, with the schools we are campaigning on a regular basis that girls should uh, have secondary education uh, um, uh, and they are getting it and uh, they are uh, connecting with it hmm. so the problem of of land rights is seems very far removed from the actual problem that you're working to solve that is bride trafficking that's interesting and something that i i think unless you're there and understand the problem it would be hard for someone to to think that that is the cause of the problem so it's it's interesting um what are the difficulties that you face in trying to find the victims and and working in this area where statistics are hard to come by like there's not necessarily reliable information on how big this problem is you obviously have some numbers because of the work that you do but step 1 in your organization's work is finding these women and working towards rescue that's part of it so how do you approach that part of your work so we 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 uh, we are uh, uh, the organization which works with the community in destination where people are buying guns uh-huh. 
So we have informers in mainstream society. We have a, a helpline and people used to call us informing that his neighbors or her neighbors have uh, purchased a girl. Uh -huh. Uh, uh, and second uh, source is parents of the uh, uh, trafficked victim who used to say like their children have been trafficked or they are missing. Uh, sometime uh, our commune, our group, uh, survivors group uh, used to inform us that uh, their village or their neighboring area have a new girl who who have come from some other area and we also conduct different kind of survey in those areas you know, to identify uh, if uh, there is some 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 new girl mm -hmm. so this is uh, this is called investigation so uh, we do investigation that is first source of information uh, second is parents of missing uh, third is uh, you know, the common people who used to have sympathy and solidarity with the victims. They used to inform us and uh, our survivor leaders. So we have four type of uh, information sources uh -huh. uh, for, for, for finding these girls. Uh -huh. yeah. And then once you find them, where do you do from there? Yeah. So this is an interesting, like most of the time when we find someone, uh, uh, some new case, some new girl, uh, we first conduct a basic um, uh, investigation about that. So uh, we first uh, track things like uh, how she was trafficked and where she belongs to mm -hmm. and everything. Then we ask her consent for everything we are going to do. Mm. If girl is minor, then we ensure uh, uh, rescue operation at any cost. Uh -huh. So uh, there is no need to ask consent because uh, even legally you cannot ask consent uh -huh. if someone is minor. So we used to conduct uh, rescue operation uh, immediately. But if a girl is not minor, then we should um, we uh, used to ask their consent if they are willing to go back to their home uh -huh. and uh, if they want to be rescued and uh, ready to face these things uh, the time they say yes and go ahead then we start preparation for rescue but the time they get refuse and say no i cannot go back because of some personal issues then we say like you should join our group and you should uh, start visiting our group. We used to make force on the people, uh, the person who have purchased her, uh, the social pressure. We try to make on them that you, your uh, this woman or this girl will attend our uh, meeting yeah. uh, every week. Uh, at uh, our office area or some some some, some local commune group, so they used to do that, and we try to uh, give them all kind of support there, and sometime they got uh, ready to uh, go back to their home, and we ensure that each and every uh, woman or girl should visit their home at least at once. Mm -hmm. 
so they she will have idea about the society because it is you know like most of the time if someone is um, uh, rescued or even if not rescued uh, uh, if she is going back to their home there is a lot of a stigma waiting for her yeah. so uh, she cannot live there mm -hmm. with, with because of her stigma and all so uh, we used to ask consent and we used to support them continuously uh, uh, and convince them to have uh, all right here where she was purchased uh -huh. yeah yeah so uh, at least uh, uh, we have just started uh, this thing we have uh, less than 500 uh, such women who have uh, got uh, land rights and land uh, uh, from their husband mm. and this is not a legal right mm. they cannot own land from husband they cannot uh, get share from husband from uh, legally mm. but uh, we have 400 something yeah I, I, I forgot the exact number so uh, uh, these women have uh, claimed uh, their right over land and mm. they, they, they all have uh, uh, land in their name. So this is what we have done. So uh -huh. we are not thinking uh, just to enforce the law. Right. We are thinking beyond the law uh -huh. because as an individual, if she has come here from uh, uh, her native place, she should have uh, 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 fixed right here land is land right is uh, necessary for identity mm. for for any women and uh, we are uh, making this uh, uh, part of their dignity uh -huh. uh, a woman who have land right is established woman for me uh -huh. yeah so it's so much more than just rescuing the women and Rescuing is a not solution of the problem. Uh -huh. The solution is uh, liberation. Mm. And liberation is not coming without uh, uh, having right to uh, spending. So every woman, uh, what is the right? Right is not earning money. The woman who was trafficked is already earning with uh, uh, different mean. Uh, being agriculture worker, she is earning. Being, being, being uh, uh, sex worker, she is earning. But all money is going to their owner. Uh -huh. That is the problem. The money is going to the owner. This is the problem. Earning is not the problem. So we need to make it, fix it and uh, give them uh, liberation to expend the, the, the money mm -hmm. so she can earn and spend it on, spend it on uh, uh, their own uh, budget and uh -huh. the, their own, uh, own will. Yeah. So, so once she will have land rights that will be established uh, identity and she can earn and spend money mm -hmm. with, with uh, her free will right. this is liberation yeah so this is what we do mm -hmm. this is what we are doing and this is what our organization aspire for yeah that's the ultimate goal and yeah. i can i can see where you're 
your experience as a child working with uh, the Marxist group that you did kind of informs the yeah. understanding of land rights and being able to own the products of your labor. You've talked to, I imagine, thousands of these women who've been involved in this and in some cases are still going through it. What are their experiences like and what have you learned from talking to them? Um, working with women is amazing. And uh, working with trafficking uh, uh, survivors is really amazing. Because most of the time you learn a lot from them. They, they have suffered a lot of problem and they can analyze anyone with uh, first impression. Mm. So uh, they have ability to do this and every time uh, uh, as a person I think like most of the women who have been trafficked or become uh, uh, fall into trafficking is a failed entrepreneur. So they all have brilliant ideas but being entrepreneur they were failed somehow they were failed uh -huh. because of the response mechanism of the society so i learned from them how to challenge authority mm. i learned from them how to think differently and i learned from them how to make things create things uh -huh. create ideas so everything we are doing is uh, uh, coming from uh, uh, survivors itself. Let me give you an example. Okay. So in 2012, uh, uh, we were offered by an organization, uh, big uh, funding organization for uh, donation uh, funds. They wanted us to establish a shelter home for them, organize institutionalized shelter home and we called a meeting uh, from uh, of survivor leaders and uh, we uh, were uh, sharing the whole idea like how we are going to uh, establish the shelter and how this will work a girl stood up and asked me if we are going to give them right to have sex in that particular shelter home i was shocked mm. and i said this is not possible because uh, this, uh, if I will allow this, I will be in jail. Uh -huh. This is not uh, uh, legal. She said, how do you know that the girl don't want sex? Who are you to decide this? Mm -hmm. This is what a trafficking survivor asked me. Mm -hmm. So they are more feminist than anyone else. Mm. And most of the time when someone asks me, uh, uh, who is your ideal? I say, yes, they are survivor leaders. Mm. They are ideals because they have raw experience, raw knowledge and uh, better knowledge than any, anyone else because they have survived a lot of right. operation. So, they have cha ch changed uh, 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 our uh, uh, ideas. They have challenged our uh, 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 ideas. And they teach us a lot. 
with yeah. the simple words so we not need to choose uh, uh, bulky words we not need to choose uh, technical words and uh -huh. we not need to go with uh, different ideologies and different uh, uh, philosophies yeah we just need to understand what they what they want, want to do yeah. and we are there to assist them that's it and uh -huh. we want them to become uh, uh, liberated so our uh, liberation will be ensured by them because uh, they know uh, cost of losing liberation mm -hmm. they know uh, cost of being enslaved mm -hmm. so uh, this is why we want uh, and we have aspiration Uh, that they should be in politics mm. they should be in policy making they should be in uh, on big position this is what we are dreaming for yeah we don't want them to become security guard we don't want them to become uh, uh, waiter we don't want them to become uh, uh, trailer uh -huh. we want them to become leader of this society uh -huh. It's fascinating how your the goals of your work keep changing based on the needs and desires of of the people that you're working with and I think that's a really good responsive model for yeah. this kind of of work and you were telling me a little bit about some of the other organizations um in India and elsewhere that do work in human trafficking bride trafficking but their goals are often more focused on the rescue aspect and while you certainly work with some of them your goals are a little different i think for someone listening to the stories of these women sometimes it can be easy for them to think that you know why would they not want to leave like they you know of course they should get out of the bad situation that they're in so i think it takes a lot of um commitment to what they want and respecting their desires to actually follow through and make that happen. And a a big part of that as you were talking a little bit about is the community support systems and the discussion groups that you have. Can you talk a little bit about how those formed and what what those conversations are like? So most of the time uh when we intervene in some 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 uh, village or some some community some area first thing is that uh, if someone was purchased by some someone else and someone is uh, enslaved by uh, some particular family there was consent and if not the consent there was accountability and uh, responsibility of the society mm -hmm. so this uh, pe people of that particular community should be ha uh, held accountable for that problem so these women are not leaving those areas because they should own that area they are i mean they should not be kicked out from that right they should uh, struggle with that and they should win hmm. so this is why they are there living there and uh, trying to create a uh, uh, women led movement on the, the the ground so most of the time our conversation is uh, about how and why uh, society should 
respond to this problem and how should they own their responsibility and accountability about this. Uh -huh. Because uh, uh, if we are talking about the, the society who, who usually purchase those girls, you will find that most of the time these um, you know, local families are uh, going through with uh, uh, family dispute and men used to say like uh, uh, to their wife that uh, uh, one day I will kick you from the house and bring a paro. Mm. So it affects locals too. Mm -hmm. The men have, uh, I mean, they, they can easily buy new girls. Mm. So it is threat to local women as well. Yeah. So most of the time we are focusing on this, this particular thing and also we are uh, using religious text to, to, to convince people that why this is bad and mm. even your religion is saying that this is bad uh -huh. and even your religion is saying that you should stand with oppressed. Yeah. Every, every religion talks about uh, for the oppressed people. So we used to uh, convince them with these uh, ideas and we use uh, different kind of uh, their folklore, their stories, their uh, local oral tradition because most of the common people belongs to oppressed class. Mm -hmm. So they, they have a story of oppression, they have a story of different um, uh, uh, problems. So we used to connect that story, that folk, that uh, idea and convince them that uh, this happened in the past with you and this is happening in present with them. Uh -huh. So you are becoming villain mm. and even if you are not owning this problem because most of the time people used to say like okay this is not my problem yeah right. this is their problem yeah so so they, they, they try to pass it off yeah, yeah. So, but we are we are convincing them and um, bringing them on board and saying like this is your problem uh -huh. and you have to get involved uh, with us to stop this. Yeah. So we have a lot of, uh, I mean, we are operational in uh, uh, 10 states and 20 districts. And we have huge offices everywhere and all were given by community itself. Mm -hmm. Our organization have no fund, institutional funding. We have no uh, foreign funding. We have nothing. Mm. Okay, we have no organized budget structure. We have nothing. We, we, we are only three people are looking everything and we have amazing volunteers who used to do things and uh, uh, every district, uh, that means 20 people are working uh, on the field uh, who used to assist survival leaders. So everything was started uh, with uh, two, three people and now it became, uh, um, our organization have uh, around 18,000 membership. So now our organization is family of 18,000 people. Mm. So uh, discussion of uh, operation, discussion of culture, discussion of religion is becoming a major attraction point for the society, for the good people and 
others mm -hmm. to get involved with it. And everything is tactical. Mm. We are against trafficking and not only the trafficking, we are against slavery, overall slavery. So uh, we are trying to teach them and we are trying to learn from them about the slavery. So uh, information is not one way, it is two way. Yeah, it's so a conversation. It, it is conversation. So most of the time they too share their problem and their opinion and we uh, share our problem, our opinion with the community and we get together and then we finalize like this is happening and this should be crushed by the society. It's very surprising maybe that the communities where you've worked have been so supportive of you in some ways. Um, but I also imagine you've faced a lot of challenges and maybe violence or, or threats of violence or, or pushback from communities where you've, where you've worked to solve this issue. Yeah, so the, the, everything is there. But most of the time, we talk about positive thing about the community. Uh, if community is seeing that you are not demonizing them, they will accept you. Mm. The time community will see like you are demonizing them, they will start disowning you. Uh -huh. They will kick you out yeah, from the community. Yeah, they don't the want community. you there. So, uh, yes, there are a lot of problems, uh, there are uh, threats and everything, but still we are uh, uh, using uh, bikes to go in the community. Uh -huh. We used to uh, we maintain low profile with the community and we are happy for that. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they have slapped us, but no one killed us mm -hmm. for now. So we are happy with that. Yeah, yeah. as you should be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this negative aspect of the community, uh, we used to discuss all these things with the local people and we don't want to share it uh, with uh, greater uh, platform right. or big platform or anywhere outside of the community. Uh -huh. So every problem we discuss uh, should be discussed within a community. Yeah. So every time when we discuss things, uh, problems with the community, uh, a community used to uh, uh, come for rescuing us. The community itself has took a stand for uh -huh. it because they know like these people are not going to uh, make complaint and make uh, headlines of attack or something like uh -huh. that. So we try to not demonize the community. Right. We always say like, this is bad thing and this must be crushed. And you, without your support, this is not possible. Uh -huh. And we are not threat to you. So yes, Focusing there are the, problems. On the positive aspects. Yeah. yeah. But How do you work to create awareness and let people know, you know, and talk like you're coming to Grinnell, you know, you're, you're here to talk about this problem and what your organization is doing to solve it. How do you talk about the problem without 
demonizing the, the communities that you work in? So uh, most of the time we used to organize uh, uh, yatras, I mean march. Okay. Every year we used to organize uh, two march, one uh, on foot and one on a car. Okay. So uh, in 2018 we organized march against bride trafficking from Assam to Himachal Pradesh. It was around 14,000 kilometer long because it was like round round okay round, circular round. routes <laughs> yeah so uh, and we were talking with the um, uh, different stakeholder police uh, other government officials uh, community members uh, village leaders caste leaders and everyone no one is willing uh, villain for us not even traffickers hmm. I, I would say that not even traffickers are villain for us we just want to give them a perspective, a new idea to them. Like, in many cases, I have seen like trafficker was not even aware that they are, he is doing a crime uh -huh. by selling the girl, and he was not lying. He was not aware about the new world order. He was not aware about the new things. He thought like. She had no food here, so I, I sent her to that place. Uh -huh. And he was not aware about anything what is happening there. Right. And even sometimes traffickers used to come with, uh, uh, inform us like, I have organized this and uh, that girl came here and he is abusing that girl and he is doing this, can you please help? Uh -huh. So uh, I have such examples. So awareness is not speaking mm. awareness is a process you have to involve them with uh, your process and you have to uh, be with them to uh, uh, to 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 give them an example what uh, is slavery and what is equality mm -hmm. they should have contrast ideas yeah so uh, uh, awareness for us is a process and we used to involve each one, men, women, children, everyone uh, with our field seminar. We used to call it a field seminar. We used to organize it and uh, everyone uh, used to join that uh, conversation. Uh, 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 trafficking survivors used to share their stories, their feelings, their hopes and uh, we used to uh, interpret that and these uh, uh, men, women of local community used to uh, uh, discuss on those particular aspects and those particular things. Uh -huh. So uh, uh, we uh, try to engage them with this and we also organize different kind of uh, uh, seminars or uh, workshops in colleges, schools, so the young children, young generation would um, have enough knowledge about these things. So uh, it is not uh, about awareing people, it is about sensitizing people. Mm. People should not be aware about everything, it's okay. But they should be sensitized, they should have solidarity for the oppressed. Mm -hmm. So it's process. We we are uh, every Sunday we have some kind of 
sensitization workshops, sensitization seminar, hmm. sensitization talk in each village we are working. Hmm. So a lot of your work involves having difficult conversations with people. True. Um, what have you learned about how to handle that and the approach that you bring to starting that conversation um, and what what the best tactics and ways are for opening those conversations up to to create change and for people to think about things in new ways. So most, uh, uh, I would uh, give you some example like uh, we have rescued girl with the help of caste panchayats, caste councils. Caste councils are uh, most demonized organization in India. Mm. And yes, they do a lot of bad things, uh -huh. but we have used them in rescuing trafficking survivors. Uh -huh. So uh, the problem with the society is simple. Like uh, most of the time, change makers go there with the uh, 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 rule of law, and they used to say like law is saying this, so you have to do this this way uh -huh. and not that way. So they are not arguing and they are not fitting that on their, uh, uh, that particular uh, community's morality. Uh -huh. Most of the time they say like, this is law this and, is the law and, and you, you have to, to do this. Yeah. So most of the time they used to afraid of the law and do that, but they are not convinced with the uh, thing. So most of the time when we went there in the villages, we started things uh, uh, discussing uh, which affects them by this problem. Like we are working in uh, uh, destination of bright trafficking and most of the time when we open our conversation, we start uh, conversation with saying how and why dowry is increasing and how and why family dispute is uh, uh, increasing. So most of the time when we say like why family dispute is increasing, some women used to say like my husband was saying or my husband had said that he will bring a Paro or Molki women, he will buy a girl from Assam and uh, uh, he kicked me out. Then we say yes this is the major problem. Mm. So we start the conversation about our cause and honestly this is harming the society. This is not harming only the, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the trafficking survivors right, the but also it is harming the women of this particular society who uh -huh. is buying those girls. So we start things from that point and then identify the problem and then start ask them to work against them. Mm -hmm. Help us in preventing this. Mm. And most of the time those people used to uh, uh, show their solidarity with uh, victims and they know like uh, a poor man do not deserve to be sold. Mm. So uh, uh, they used to take side with the victims mm -hmm. and this is really beautiful and I can uh, 
forgive them for anything wrong they have done with us, our team. <laughs> so th th this is a very, very good uh, thing to do uh -huh. with the community. Now, you started doing this work almost 15 years ago. Yeah, almost. How have things changed in those years in terms Amazingly, of... Amazingly, <laughs> yeah, amazingly. Yeah. I mean, initially when I started this work, everyone was... Um, um, uh, this was common. Huh? Mm -hmm. Every time you will ask uh, how, uh, how much uh, the girl costs, the uh, man would say like 15,000, 10,000 directly. But now if, even if someone have purchased some girl, they will try to say like, no, I have not purchased this girl. And uh, trafficking in that particular area where we are working since uh, long uh, is really decreasing. And mm -hmm. even people of a local community is amazingly responding to the uh, the problem and the girl, the woman or girl living in those particular area have solid support from the community. This is how things are changing. So uh, uh, even some girl got uh, uh, panchayat land. Panchayat is a, a government body, a okay. lo, lo, village lo, uh, body who used to take care of. Uh, uh, local public land and other things. So some girls was uh, uh, given that land uh, by the panchayat because uh -huh. they, they, uh, she had no uh, ancestral land and her so-called husband was uh, died. Uh, maybe he was disabled or something uh -huh. and uh, the family is not willing to give them anything. That, that girl anything. So Panchayat came forward and the whole village came forward and said like she came here in this village and the man is died so it's okay. I mean we have to take care of her uh -huh. and we have to give her land to build her home and uh, we have to give uh, everything. So we are doing this. Our girls are now visiting judges. Our girls are now visiting police officers. And our girls are now meeting everyone. And now we are aspiring to contest election uh -huh. in that particular area. Uh, when I am saying we, that means survivor leaders. Yeah. So uh, 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 soon we will have some, some, some political leader from uh, survivor leaders. Wow. Yeah, so th this is what we are dreaming for. Yeah, yeah, those are big, big changes. Could you have, when you started working on this, did you have in mind what your organization looks like now and the... No. You know, could you have imagined these survivors as political leaders that you're, you know, training uh, them? Uh, in past, no. Uh, uh, I am worker, I am not philosopher. <laughs> so, uh, uh, dreaming is not my job. Hmm. Survivor leaders are our leaders. Mm. They have to have vision. Uh, we are worker. We are uh, there to connect them with solution. If they have some kind of problem, we will find a solution. That's our job. But uh, how they will uh, proceed further and how our organization will be built, this is not my job to think. Mm. They, 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 this is their job to think. Uh -huh. uh, even um, um, being founder and CEO of this organization, uh, 
uh, I have very less work. I have work to prepare cases. Mm -hmm. I have work to prepare uh, uh, arguments for the courts, and I have work to to uh, decide if I should go in that particular area for work or researching and all. So most of the operational thing. That is not my job. Uh -huh. That is survivor leader's job. We have twenty CBOs, and uh, all those CBOs uh, are led by survivor leaders. They are major leaders. They are intervening in a case, and they are doing everything uh, on ground. We have no stake in the ground now. <laughs> we are. Uh, I mean, they can do without us, and this is amazing. They, yeah. This is what I wanted to do. Like, if today I want to leave this organization, yeah, I can. Work will not stop without me. Mm -hmm. And this is amazing. Yeah. I wanted to create it, but yes, as organization, we have a lot of problem. We have a lot of limitations and everything. And we enjoy it. We love our limitations. We mm. enjoy our limitations. Mm. We don't want to become God. We just want to be a simple worker. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that you know you're talking about the structure of your organization and how you you know for the longest time did not receive any money. There's no kind of formal structure to it, but what does it mean then to you and your organization to receive this prize from Grinnell College and and how will that money be directed towards this effort? That is an amazing question. So, <laughs> yes. So, uh, many people are asking uh, this question. So, the uh, prize money is divided in two, two parts. parts. Yeah. So, second part, the organization part, uh, is uh, will be used for a strengthening organization and uh, we need to buy some equipments and all for uh, for the work so that will be used there uh, about my personal uh, money that will be used in a unique work and uh, we were uh, we have established at least four companies in the past and none was succeeded. The, th those companies were about uh, products uh, made by survivors uh -huh. and con that connection to the market. Uh -huh. So that was not succeed because of our limitation, the okay. monetary limitation of course. Uh, we had nothing to pay to staff because right. that is company. So that is not you cannot run that with the volunteers. Right. You have to uh, have full time staff there. So uh, we are planning to do that, and uh, uh, some people are helping us. And even I, uh, I would love to have someone from Grinnell if someone can uh, be with that. Uh, projects mm. uh, supporting and helping uh -huh. or uh, even if they can help us in planning that uh, company yeah so um, um, like uh, I have seen a lot of things here in uh, Iowa 
uh, and I was connecting that to uh, what products we were making. Uh, so uh, we wanted to supply some uh, eco-friendly things uh, uh, to hotels like sleepers uh -huh. and made of uh, some bio, uh, biodegradable uh, materials uh, products yes and uh, we are also uh, have some, some chairs and other things okay so uh, we have planned to use that money uh -huh. in that particular project uh -huh. Uh, that is made by survivors, but that cannot be marketed by survivors. Mm. We should, we need to have some some professional for that, uh -huh. and uh, the entire money we will use for that, yeah. and uh, we will establish a company. Mm. So, this company will uh, make profit, and that profit will be sent to the organization and the survivor leaders because you know like. Our survival leaders are still working as wage workers and they are still working as agricultural laborers. So we need to give them some more option to work on different other things. Uh -huh. So that is why I, I am uh, trying to uh, establish some, some kind of company. I, I have founded four companies and uh, all will fail. So it's okay to be failed. Yeah. I hope fifth will be the okay. charm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, huh, maybe I don't know if uh, this will uh, succeed. Then things will be easy mm -hmm. for uh, our work. And I'm not going to settle down here. I have more plan about doing things. And. Um, I want survivor leaders to contest election, different election. Uh, if they will contest different election, then they will establish their identity. And this will be amazing. This will become a movement. I just want to create a movement. I, I'm not uh, seeing things like uh, if I will become Narendra Modi. No, I'm not going to become Narendra Modi. I'm typical worker. so. Ha, but yes, uh, I'm trying to learn more and trying to uh, uh, document things, uh, what we are doing. Yeah. And after this, I will sure uh, try to write down everything, uh -huh. what we are doing. Because now I believe like, okay, I have done some worthful now. So <laughs> before this, I was thinking like, I am doing by my own and this is my idea and uh -huh. no one can understand it. <laughs> I, I, I will become marks, uh -huh. like good idea for nothing. I mean, that was not implemented mm. anywhere. So idea, ideology is there. That is beautiful. But now I know like, okay, I'm doing something and it should be documented. Because, yeah. okay, people should know what we are doing and how we are uh, exploiting things. Yeah. We are, most of the time, uh, I am non-religious. I mean, I have no faith in anything. Okay, personally. But we use religion for our movement. Mm -hmm. And uh, for that, I used to study religion. I have studied a lot. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, and this is good. I mean, uh, that looks like fiction. Okay. Every time when we 
read something, I read something that looks like fiction, but you have to create some kind of argument against uh, what is happening in the society. So we need to do that. And these businesses, four businesses were four survivor leaders. So there, uh, if you will visit their home now, you will take risk. That will inspire you. You will learn how to survive without money. You will learn how to survive without any support, how to survive with enemies. They are best teacher for anyone. I mean, not only me. If you will see things from their eyes, how they are living, how they are surviving life and how they are happy. The most beautiful thing in their life is that they are not complaining for anything. I don't know how. Many of them are religious, many of them are not religious. But common thing is that they are happy. They, if you will go there and if you will meet them, you will surprise to know how she is laughing and how she is happy in this condition. This will give you energy every time when, so most of the time uh, when we uh, are thinking about some new plan, uh, we used to see things like uh, what if this plan is going to help that particular woman or not. So if this is going to help her, we used to do that without being afraid of anything. So uh, that is kind of affection with those people, I don't know. Okay, this is, you know, this is a hypothetical question and answer too because I really don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, everything is not necessarily have some reason to happen like something happened without reason so this has happened without reason uh, but I, I, I will establish a company and look every time when I am seeing saying I am against slavery I am against trafficking that doesn't mean I have nothing to do with gay rights and I have nothing to do with the environment I connect each and every problem with one thing slavery is something why people are oppressing those gay people and others? Because they are not following their notion. And what is slavery? So slavery is not, look, once upon a time, slavery was in a cha chain. People had chain. Mm -hmm. So you can visibly see like this man is slave, the, he has a chain. Nowadays, chain is invisible so chain is here so we are fight we are more great than Abraham Lincoln okay because we are surviving a slavery system which has problem here hmm. so everyone wants people to follow their idea their orientation their things this is our problem look I was really happy yesterday when I saw this uh, tone. Okay, I'm sorry for sharing this. Huh? This is personal. 
I was really happy when I saw agriculture land, big agriculture land. But then I learned that this is not individual farmers. Mm -hmm. This is corporations. I said, fuck. These are not agricultural land. Yeah. These, are, these, are, these are factories. Mm. These are part of problem. And then I saw Grinnell, uh, what, something. Grinnell farm, farm, na? The heritage farm? Ha, heritage farm, yes. That was amazing. <laughs> this was beautiful. I mean, I have a, uh, this inspired me. Like, yes, we need this. So, this is against the slavery system. Uh, you cannot save your uh, seeds. This is corporate slavery. Right. So, slavery is not only about bride trafficking. It is a, a broader subject. Mm -hmm. So, bride trafficking will be one is dot the day other form of slavery will be one is dot. Mm -hmm. So, this is greater struggle. And if we cannot fight with everyone, we can at least think like this is bad and this is good. We should have a basic idea about that. Maybe during your visit, you'll find some students here who are interested yeah. in, in helping yeah, in that project that, because that, I think that would help me a lot. Uh, for now, we have uh, two people on board. They are volunteers, uh -huh. just helping yeah. me in planning that. Yeah, bringing when, the concepts When the, the, the award was announced, I got excited. <laughs> Not because of money, okay? Because of that, this thing, this unorganized idea was acknowledged by a college, yeah. established by an abolitionist, the man who was trying to help uh, slaves in escaping slavery. Uh -huh. So, this meant a lot to me as a learner, as a worker. Uh -huh. Uh, this is also special because this is not corporate house. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, corporate house used to acknowledge you mm. for no meaning. They know nothing about you. No, uh -huh. They know nothing about your cause. They know, they know that you are working against them. But still they are uh, honoring you or acknowledging you or giving you something. Why? So, well, this means this means a lot to me because it's a uh, education institution which has a different idea about different things. Because most of the time um, when your recognition comes from uh, some academic institution, uh, you know you are worthy hmm. and it makes you feel like, yes, you were doing something which uh, needed to be to, uh, done. So, this, this recognition is a kind of validation for us uh, as an organization and as a person, me too. Uh, it will encourage me to find a new way with a new idea and work continuously with these things. So, it means a lot to me and my organization. I want to talk a little bit more about your role as a man in, in all of this. Um, how have you used your power in these patriarchal systems to 
influence other men and empower women, how do you make sure that you are constantly becoming a better man? Uh, this is about uh, becoming a better human. Mm. This is not about be uh, becoming a better man. Being a man, I have different kind of privilege to be in society. And being man, I have limitations too. So I try to cross my limitations being man and I try to engage other people using my privilege to be a man. Mm -hmm. So most of the time when uh, people are, uh, I mean, when we rescue someone, yeah. some girl. So I want to share first about uh, experience of a man working on this women cause. So most of the time we, when we rescue some girl, they used to see a man in front of her. And all problem done in her life, what she has survived, was happened because of a man, uh -huh. a two man, a three man, a group of, a group of men. So they think like, I am one of the men. Uh -huh. So initially, we, as a person, I face a lot of fire from them. I should uh, face her frustration and her anger as a man. And then after some time, after a month, they realize and face of men's became saved. She thinks like, okay, now uh, I should believe that some men are good people mm -hmm. too. Not all men are bad. So being man, I am trying to save men from becoming evils mm -hmm. in, in the eyes of survivors. Yeah. So uh, this is amazing. And second thing is that most of the time, if you are man, you, you can... Uh, easily connect with this, uh, uh, other, other men yeah. and you can uh, uh, argue on behalf of the survivor or women uh, on different issues and look the patriarchy is oppressive not only for men uh, not women. only for women yeah. it is also oppressive for men I have seen people who were who killed themselves because of some patriarchal issue. Hmm. I have seen that. And most of the time I try to connect those things. Like every person have multiple identity, different kind of, different layer of identity. We need to connect that particular identity with that. Sometime we have heard that uh, uh, the girl was eloped with some boy and her brother was killed himself. Hmm. He killed himself just because of honor and patriarchy. Hmm. So this is, this is something we need to uh, reflect upon yeah. and we need to ask men to reflect upon. So this is easy to do 
and uh, equality is not uh, evil thing for men and liberation of women is actually liberation of men too mm -hmm. you will be liberated from uh, protecting others right uh, your sisters mothers daughters you not need to protect anyone if you are liberated and if women are liberated mm -hmm. if they are not sex object most of the time when we say protecting women what people think most of the time we think like we are protecting her from sexual harassment right we never thought about economic protection or mm -hmm. some other kind of protection because women for men women are just sex object be it a girlfriend be she is mother be she is sister anyone else so liberation is needed for everyone every gender uh -huh. and patriarchy is something which drag you into protectionism mm -hmm. just because it allow you to uh, encourage uh, attack on other gender so patriarchy is aggressive idea and that is not going to help anyone not men nor the women so we need to have a basic sense of equality and liberation of each one mm -hmm. the women and men yeah so this is so easy to convince them and most of the time people are happy about it last time we were on a march against bright trafficking in 2018 i met a, uh, a young group uh, they all were men and uh, that villager was saying he was sharing that uh, uh, why trafficking is happening this was my question and he said like because of us i said how he said like if my sister will be in love with someone i will oppose her and kill her so he she used to elope, elope with uh, her boyfriend she she will run away from uh, us with her boyfriend and that man can sell her so the girl should have confidence to uh, bring the, her boyfriend into home so we can check his validity and background and everything so we are responsible for such bright trafficking and all mm -hmm. so this was a villager mm -hmm. he was just a, a young man so this is not new everyone know that we just need to connect that fuse now uh -huh. so so the light will be yeah lighted yeah. yeah yeah the solutions are are already there and it does you yeah, know true it, so it, this this is what we learned in uh, uh, our first march uh -huh. yeah yeah so yeah. yeah it's question and answer both us uh, with same people yeah. so we just need to connect that yeah the problem and the solution are right there yeah. in the community and and it is yeah. interesting how it's come yeah. kind yeah. of full yes. circle that you yes. learned it from we, we just need to we march. just need to understand the community their idea how they think and the, the time we will learn that how they are thinking and what they are thinking then things will be easy for you mm. uh, you you can easily use them in a, your movement hmm. 
Well, thank you, Shafiq, for your dedication to this cause and eradicating bride trafficking and really working to empower the women um, that have suffered as, as victims and now you know, look to live lives um, ideally liberated from, from these systems. So congratulations to you and your organization for being honored with the Grinnell College Innovator for Social Justice Prize and, and best of luck to, to you and your organization as you, as you move forward. Thank you so much, thank you. Shafiq Khan is the founder and CEO of Empower People and the winner of the 2019 Grinnell College Innovator for Social Justice Prize. He's been on campus all week, his first time outside of India, and he's been soaking up all Grinnell has to offer, visiting classes and talking nonstop with everyone and loving it. And we're loving it too. There have been a number of events for Prize Week. Shafiq talked about how he uses folklore and storytelling to talk with communities about bride trafficking. And we also had a panel discussion with lawyers, social workers, a police chief, and other people involved in anti-trafficking work here in Iowa and throughout the states. It was remarkable how trafficking takes so many forms and is unique to different places with different causes, conditions, and solutions. There's so much to learn. If there's one takeaway from that, though, I think it's that trafficking is going on everywhere. It's not a far away or remote issue. It is almost certainly going on in your communities right now. And it can feel like an insurmountable problem, but there are resources, there are ways to make an impact. And I think Shafiq's visit has encouraged a lot of us here to start thinking about how we can make an impact. He's particularly inspiring, I think, because he is testimony that change starts small and doesn't take money or a big organization or a mission statement. It requires an idea. His formal organization, in a sense, consists of a small office, a couple laptops, and a few bicycles. Now, it also consists of 18,000 people, but it's a totally different way of change making. You can learn more about Shafiq Khan and Empower People, as well as the Grinnell Prize and its past winners, and see the beautiful oil painting done by our very own Tilly Woodward, inspired by Shafiq's work. And see pictures from this week's events on our website, grinnell.edu podcast. You can also connect with Shafiq on social media. A big part of the Grinnell Prize and bringing the winner to campus is making connections. I wish everyone could have had the chance to sit and talk to Shafiq, but this podcast is the next best thing. And I hope if you feel connected to this and want to talk about it or get involved in any way, please reach out to me or Shafiq. And that's it for this episode. If you made it to the end, congratulations. Thank you for tuning in. And I really hope you got as much from hearing our conversation as I have through my interactions with him this week. I encourage you to share and continue this conversation. Next time, we're going to talk to another incredible person, Edith Renfro-Smith the first African-American woman to graduate from the college in 1937. If you're doing the math in your head, I'll save you the time. She's 104 years old and counting. She received an honorary degree last year at commencement, and she sat down to talk with me about growing up in Grinnell and her remarkable life. That's next time on All Things Grinnell. Music for today's show comes from Brett Newski and Poddington Bear. If you'd like to contact the show, email us at podcast at grinnell.edu or check out our website, grinnell.edu slash podcast for more information about the guests from today's show. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. I'm your host, Ben Benversi. Make some change, Grinnellians.